this is Senescussion. Hello everyone, my name is Dylan Ryder. And I am Fortune Owens, also known as A Restless Mind. Yeah, and welcome to our conversation. We're going to be uh, talking a little bit today about uh, the horror genre. There's been a lot of movies and games and stories that we've experienced within the genre for a long time, and we have a few to talk about today. Television as well. Like Television's been doing some really great stuff with horror yeah. and stuff. Like I feel like a lot of... Uh, Television horror was really subpar for a long time, but then you get like really interesting directed things like uh, Haunting of Hill House. And, uh... That's my boy right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently television is blown up. I know every single person I know in my life has a different show they want me to watch. So I've heard uh, about some pretty big things going on in TV. I can watch one at a time, I feel like. <laughs> no, I feel you. There's a, and there's so many new streaming services and channels and stuff that like it's actually impossible to keep up with all of them all. You basically just make a list and then you try to get through them all yeah, the time. Exactly, so. exactly. And yeah. then I'm the type of person where I don't necessarily want the thing I enjoy to end. So I yeah. watch the first five seasons of a six season show <laughs> and then just kind of wait on that sixth season because I know I'm going to have to move on to something else and that feels stressful. <laughs> I feel terrible about that. I did that with a Dead Space 2. I was yeah. like near the end and I was like, I'll take a break. Yeah. And like six months later, I finished it and I was like, sad face. <laughs> yep. uh horror games have been killing it lately oh, yeah. i uh you know i just beat for the second time uh a last of us part two yes which unfortunately had uh the most disappointing conversation around the existence of a product that i've ever seen online it was really uh it was really wild to uh be on any forum around uh the launch of that game i'm curious if the conversation around it has changed at all now that we're like a year later. I think everyone feels the need to uh, kind of, not everyone, but certain people feel the yeah. need to push back against anything they feel is pushing forward certain people's truths that aren't very typically heard in conversation or are starting to be more heard. But yeah. Yeah. It's you know, interesting. You know, there are definitely valid criticisms, especially around the way the story is structured. Sure. Um, especially as a follow-up to another story. Mm -hmm. I think... Uh, I admit I'm only like halfway through it, so I admit that I don't know everything, but... I'm going to say this without spoilers. I'm going to speak very broadly. Okay. The first one has... The first part, I guess, because it's an extension of a story, you yes. know? Um, the first one has such a, a broad macro story. I mean, as far as what's going on in the state of the world, it's like, all right, you're this guy, and you have to get this little girl who is potentially the cure... To the world for all mankind across yes. the country like that's exactly. a very big thing that's also just a huge endeavor and a lot of just responsibility like you feel like if you screw up in any way like you might have doomed the entire world right which is... <laughs> and then you have this big story and then you get to the second one and the macro story is actually very small it's like it seems like it's okay. i have a revenge story mm -hmm. that's very isolated with this one person and that person has a revenge story with me and we're going to go back and forth but towards the state of what's going on in that world, it doesn't matter as much. It's not, you're not dealing with a cure for the world. You're dealing no. with character relationships. And see, for me, I, I don't have a problem with that because I like that essentially, if you think about it, it's it's a story that it's not event-driven, it's character-driven. Totally. It's basically just character-driven. It's about characters that you grew to care about within the first game, what yeah. they experience, and from those experiences um how they decide to react to certain life-altering situations i guess is the best way to put it totally and most of the time i will take character driven over plot driven because yeah. 
that's what I like to see. That's what I like to write. That's where a lot of my curiosity goes For into sure. decision making. But how effective can that be as a follow up to something that is so largely plot driven? It's such a big shift. You know what yeah. I mean? I think ultimately it's going to come down to how much people can relate to the characters that you're following. Yeah. So I think most of the people, it seemed like overwhelmingly the reviews and everything seemed kind of obvious that most people did relate to it. Yeah. But there are certain side subset of people that haters probably don't. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to, I'm not going to disregard don't relate to that specific story very well. And those uh, interests and et cetera. And so it's probably not going to give them what they wanted because there's no event overall to pull it together that they can relate to. Um, so I yeah. can understand that to some extent, but I would also argue then fine. But I personally feel like whether you care about that subject subject matter or not, the event of what triggers, I'll say yeah. the last of us too. And what uh, and like what I've seen happen so far, I feel like anybody should be able to relate to that regardless. So yeah. to me personally, I would argue, is it like, are your own feelings on a specific subject intervening or do you really just not like what's happening? Like, like for instance, I could also understand someone just loving certain characters and based on certain things that happened, being very upset that something happened in general, right? Yeah. I could see that. Like I, like, I could totally see that. So I guess it really just comes down to what your mo- motivations are for disliking the game and ultimately they're valid for every person. But yeah, you know, for me specifically, I think it's so far, I think it's a really great game and I'm, I'm really, really along for the wide ride. I mean, I would say the one thing about it is the mystery of like all of the different um, creatures and everything and all of that's a huge part of it, which is great, but now you kind of know. So I feel like you're dealing with almost like, like people mm-hmm. just as much as you're dealing with them. So it, yeah. it, it does create a very different dynamic when you're running through the world. It also, I feel like it kind of changes your motivations on what things you might want to craft too, because you're like, I'm actually more worried about X than Y, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, I know in my specific situation, I have had a harder time fighting uh, the people more often than the clickers and things in most situations that I've been in so far. Yeah. So um, I tend to craft things that are more useful for them (laughs) so far. So, so so by extension, kind of using this as as a catalyst to a larger conversation, Sure. Uh, I've heard the uh, the term elevated horror quite a lot uh, in the genre. Things like Hereditary, Midsummer, um, which is weird. To what, me. I don't like the term actually I because like I feel either. like it's dismissive. I like a lot of, yeah. I guess, what some people would refer to as shitty or grindhouse or schlocky. <laughs> I like a lot of. Yeah. I, I'm pretty eclectic with my taste. I'm all over no, the place, I but there are that. certain horror movies that I think are particularly shitty or unentertaining or, you know, I watch it and I'm like, I'm not going to get that hour and a half back. (laughs) What do you think it is in a genre that's so all over the place towards big philosophical questions and like really impactful relationship dynamics versus zombies, arms exploding, you know, what do you think makes something worth watching in in the genre? Um, I think, Ultimately, it is going to be dictated by the person, but I I, I do want to go back for just a moment. I agree. I hate the term elevated horror. Horror? Horror? English is hard. I hate (laughs) the word elevated horror, the term elevated horror, because it implies that horror is subpar by definition or something. And I don't like that. And I feel like it also perpetuates the same problem that we have with like the Oscars, where 
horrors and sci-fis typically are just completely overlooked. I mean, yeah. I feel like the only reason Blade Runner was nominated was because you can't deny that director and that cinematographer in the same film. Like, yep. if you do, people in the film industry itself will be frustrated, right? Yeah. Because it's so good. But there are a lot of great horrors, like Hereditary for one. I think that probably deserved a Best Director nom and a Best Actress nom for Tony Collette easily. Like, easily. But they, you almost are certain they won't be acknowledged because it's horror. And the same thing typically happens in sci-fi, too. Yeah. Um, and there are two genres that have notoriously been just neglected for a very long time. And I feel like when you say elevated horror, it means that you're perpetuating that same idea. And I mm -hmm. don't like it because there are some great horror films throughout history that deserved more than they got. And the only reason they didn't was essentially discrimination. So you think it's almost like, you think it's almost interchangeable with like from a, from a, uh, uh, criticism standpoint like worthy horror like worthy yeah. of kind yeah. of conversation and a place in it's like sure, film history and all that all that stuff yeah it's like sure there there there's crappier quality and better quality of everything right yeah. so i mean i think most people would probably say um that you know the exorcist was a fantastic film it's excellently directed it's, it's fucking well, bomb yeah did everything from the special effects to the shot list to yeah. the lighting to the performances to the direction to the sound design everything is great like yeah. if you say that that is is isn't great horror and, it, and it's like one of those top quality films you're just full of crap or maybe yeah. you just don't like horror movies or but i also feel like there is a notion where it's like to some extent it's almost like anything where there are ideas that are kind of passed down with the way things are so it's like if you just feel like horror is a subpar genre you're almost like taught that right like, right. like through other people but that doesn't mean it's true you know so it happens and I feel like it's changing over time it like, happens so, yeah. with fantasy and literature sure. yeah, you know people sure. are very dismissive of fantasy lord uh, of the rings changed that right like suddenly lord it rings suddenly changed. was like oh well we can't deny this oh they, they <laughs> tried they tried they, they best, tried but the box you know office I mean? said no exactly exactly <laughs> um uh it ha yeah it happens in movies it happens in music uh in the pop genre that it's not yeah. kind of worthy of that level of praise just because it's simple beats or wh whatever the reasoning is it happens everywhere like i could be wrong but for their time i think both alien and aliens got a bit shafted too if i remember correctly i'd be i wouldn't be surprised about alien uh because even though it's like kind of a blockbuster horror movie it's still very confined and but I it's can a see masterpiece for what it is like it, oh it, yeah it's one of i think it's oh one yeah of the best sci-fi horror films ever made like it's so good i would be surprised if aliens got that treatment though I don't because, think it did though. Like I'll have to. Look yeah, back, I think Aliens I think it, was probably. I would imagine because it's James Cameron. Yeah, you know it was what I mean. Popular, just, but I mean, like at like the Oscars though. Like did it? Go, oh like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was probably one of the biggest, like most highly rated movies that year too. Like yeah. I don't think either of them like at Oscars and award ceremonies. Like I feel like 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 they might win like best prosthetics or like special effects or something. But they'll never get nominated for like best film or best screenplay. Like, think about how clever right. Alien screenplay was on its own. Like, Big time. that's a terrifying idea. I mean, till this day, it is one of the most iconic aliens ever. Not just because it was first. There were tons of alien movies before that, but it's so unique. I mean, I mean, I mean, the yeah. that universe has extended into the, the characters are oh, for sure. And then Ripley, one of the greatest like yeah. heroines of all time. Like, she's yeah. the most badass character ever. Like, till this day, I love Sigourney Weaver and like. I want her and everything. <laughs> I know. I know. When I found out she was she an avatar, up, I was like, yes. <laughs> Where's the next avatar? Yeah. And she literally starts James by Cameron. saying, like, this is bullshit. They're like pissing on us without even having the decency to call it rain. And yeah. I was like, that's so like, yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, I love her, man. Like, just great. You ever been mistaken for a man? <laughs> nope. Nope. Have you? Vasquez? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, seriously, bro. Vasquez <laughs> was the most badass person in that movie. She and gave... then she even died like a G. Like, she literally was like, uh, I'm sorry, you know, 30 years later, this might be a spoiler. But yeah, yeah. Vasquez, like, 
Yeah, like she runs out of bullets and like, yeah, she holds a grenade, she blows the thing up yeah. with her. She takes herself with it. Like she's just awesome, bro. Like But okay, so compare that to uh I'm trying to think of what would be like a uh a lower grade horror movie that I love. A quote lower grade horror movie. Something like uh something like uh <laughs> hmm. It's hard when you think about it, right? I know, now that I'm on the spot. What about you know what? I'll use so, so for horror, for horror, horror yeah. I, there was a movie called Cry Underscore Wolf. Got completely critically killed. I thought that yeah. was really interesting. And honestly, a uh, little bit of spoilers here. It's not exactly the same thing, but it also borrows a little bit of the April Fool's Day uh, okay. kind of ending to yeah. it. Uh, but there's a twist on that that's really interesting. And it's one of those movies that I personally felt left you jaw drop because it's like a moment where you're seeing the wheels turning. Someone's basically showing you that they won. Yeah. And then they walk away with the look on the person realizing everything that just happened. And it just cuts, if I remember correctly. Like, it was a fantastic, uh, like, the way it's edited and stuff can be a little jarring at first. It uses some of the uh, stutter frame rate stuff, which I hate, I'll be honest. I don't. Yeah. But I feel like when you find out why later, it kind of makes sense. And it's one of those films that I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but I thought it was actually pretty good. And it, it got, like, an F. But, like, when it came out, like, it was, like, critically planned. And me and my friend Sean, who he's a very analytical person, so we were like, I genuinely enjoyed that movie. Like, it was a really interesting idea. And it's a play on some things we've seen, but it was, there's some twists in it that make it a whole different thing. Like, was, it was Cry really Wolf cool. an Australian movie? No, I think you're thinking of Wolf, Wolf Creek. Creek. Yeah, okay. that was more yeah, like I'm a torture confused. porn kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. I know some people like it, but I mean, like, it was very just graphic and, yeah. Yeah. I, it was, um, I did come up with an example of, like, a kind of, like, goofy tongue-in-cheek horror movie that i love freddy versus jason i do too so that's a fun right. movie but it would be very easy to you know say that movie is not entertaining it's not fun it's not scary all those things but i don't think most people would argue that it wasn't entertaining or fun though like that's I've, like you know what i mean i've met plenty of people who are like you like that movie and i'm like yeah yeah well, like, like the title it shows you how ridiculous it's supposed to be it's not taking itself seriously it, it, it's yeah they have so much just fun within that film. Right? But that that's my point, kind of going back to my question. What within a horror movie distinguishes something, even if no matter how campy or low budget or kind of out of left field the, the film is, or no, how, no matter how Oscar worthy or well written or well produced a film is, there's so much entertainment in the genre across the entire board. Agreed. You know? Yeah, for sure. But... I've seen plenty of, on the low budget side, I've seen plenty of low budget movies. Where I'm like, oh, that was great. It was really cool. It, it wasn't particularly well written, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm definitely going to watch it again sometimes. And I've seen very similar movies where I'm like, ugh. You know, that was. <laughs> I've seen movies with a big budget where I'm like, ugh. Exactly. There's so many talented people out there that want money. And this movie got $100 million. Or <laughs> where do you think, where do you think the entertainment comes from in the genre? From the, for the most part. Like when you were watching a horror movie, no matter what it is, what do you sit down and expect to see to be entertained? Um, I feel like that's a really loaded question um, because a lot of things can dictate it for me. Yeah. For instance, if there's a director I love, yeah, I, a lot of times I don't care what the film is because to me, they've almost never disappointed. Like James Wan is sure. someone that like, he makes a movie I am in. Yeah. I don't care who the actors are, who, you know, if they have a great actor and I look and they have a great cinematographer and writer, that, those are all awesome pluses. Yeah. But I just want to see what he does. So so for those films, I'm going and expecting master directing. Like I'm, I'm expecting sequences that are extremely well thought of. Something that um, even though I'm typically not surprised or scared in horror movies, something that like I don't expect. Like in The Conjuring 2, just the use of light 
um, to make it seem like someone is standing in the dark and then it's a picture, right? Yeah. Like, 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 like that was so cool. Oh, like, yeah, like, the it was Valak, so, the nun yeah, scene. That was so cool. Awesome. And then when the shadow comes out and then walks behind the picture and then yeah. you see hands come up, like it's just brilliant. And like yeah. the way it's crafted the shot list, he, you can tell he really thinks these things through. So I guess for me, uh, all films are different. It really depends. Hereditary, for instance, I didn't know what to expect because I've never heard of the director. I've never heard of my thing for that one, if you want the truth. Yeah. I'm a Gabriel Viren fan. I yeah. like him in everything. There was also a, I think it was three season series on HBO called In Treatment, and I'm really yep. into psychology. I love that entire sequence. Mm -hmm. I love Gabriel Viren. Um, and I love Tony Collette, and I've never seen her in a horror movie as far as I know. So, Makes sense. So, oh, y yes, but I mean, where she's like the lead and she's not like, like, like she's like the lead in this yeah, story, yeah. seemingly, you know? Um, so her in, in um, the movie seemed interesting, but in all honesty, the first thing that caught my eye was I love movie trailers. I like how interesting they are. Yeah. That trailer is a masterpiece in editing. And, yeah. and the use of the miniature house yeah. uh, within the trailer, considering how it's used in the movie, the use of the miniature house so much throughout the trailer with some of the sequences that happen, um, it made me feel like, like the trailer made me feel like if the movie's as interesting as the trailers, I'm going to be very entertained because mm -hmm. I feel like the sequences that I'm seeing from this trailer are interesting in and of themselves. Yeah. And it seems like there are so many sequences I'm seeing in this trailer. That it seems like it's not just one section of the film. Yeah. So for me, I was very interested to see how that came together just because it was a fascinating, just ensemble of things for a horror film. And yeah. Then I was, yeah. And then I was incredibly surprised. The fact, and then the fact that that was like his first time directing, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I literally couldn't believe it. Yeah, for for me, when it comes to really anything across you, the yeah. horror genre, yeah, I uh, I think the most important thing that will make or break kind of my entertainment or me not wanting to check my phone or kind of my mind to wander, <laughs> I have to want the the characters to succeed in whatever for it sure. is. Like it always comes down to the characters for me. Like awesome effects and blood and guts and cool hauntings and awesome set pieces are all important. But at the same time, if the characters aren't portrayed in a way where I want them to get out of that situation or I want them to, you know, find the book that's going to stop the curse or whatever's going on, if that doesn't grip me, for probably not going to be entertained. And I feel like that's a lot of leniency that. because I'm naturally super empathetic. So yeah. it's very easy for me to be like, oh, I don't want you to die. Like, <laughs> like you gave that person right. a candy bar. Like, I'm proud of you. Like, you're you great. You saved a puppy. Therefore, I'm on your side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, an example of something that uh, wasn't the best, but I really enjoyed it was uh, Army of the Dead, the, the yeah. new Zack Snyder movie. I like Zack Snyder. I, I, I don't know why. A lot why. of people do. You know, I know a lot of people do, and I still always feel like I have to defend him. I, don't I, know. <laughs> I love some of his films. Like, I, yeah. I'll be honest. I liked 300. I liked Dawn of the Dead, and I liked um, Watchmen quite a bit. But I also go into a Zack Snyder movie expecting him to explore themes that he doesn't, that he isn't the best at exploring mm -hmm. for the most part. You know, he, I think he has an idea of this, like, really deep meaning that he wants to get to the bottom to, and he usually doesn't kind of get there. But I always, yeah, that's how I feel. But I never leave a Zack Snyder movie like, oh, that was shit. You know what I mean? I, I, I tend to enjoy it. It's always entertaining. You can always trust that it's going to be pretty. Like, for sure. Like, Visually, yeah, yeah, for sure. All the time. Um, but I was watching uh, Army of the Dead. And even though the movie itself was, it was kind of this like grindhouse fun time. Like the zombies are are tribal and they have some sort of a society and they can communicate. It's this cool idea that's not often explored. But I'm watching uh, Dave Bautista's character who wants to make this money to make up for what he's done in his past or whatever he's going through. 
And it's just exciting to see this big heist movie with an ensemble of characters deal with tribals, zombie hordes and tigers and all of mm -hmm. those things. It's getting critically not loved. It's not getting panned. Like, I don't want to say panned, but it yeah, is. Yeah, it seems like it's like mixed reviews, but it's not like low. It's not right. Like, yeah. But I was, I, I was going through those reviews and I was just kind of thinking, what do people expect? Like, the way it was advertised, you get this kind of tongue-in-cheek zombie heist movie in Las Vegas where they're dealing with tribal zombies. And that's kind of what you get. It's mm -hmm. like, here is what you... Here's what's delivered. Like, if you watch it, I kind of expect that you'll have an idea of what you'll get. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, ultimately, I feel like a big thing is you need to care about the characters. But I also... Can I remind one thing? You said it's up to you about, like, you want to see them succeed. Yeah. Do you think it's... Or fail. Do you, do you, I was going to say, or, <laughs> or fail, fail, right? Yeah. I was going to say, because, for instance, there was this next Netflix film recently called I Care that mm -hmm. I love. And it has a homegirl uh, from uh, Gone Girl. From Gone Girl. Who I, I love. And I started I, it. Yeah. And I found, I I love that film by the end, but I hate her. Like, like, yeah. like what she does, because I actually took care of my grandfather until he passed. So when it comes to seniors, I'm kind of protective. Right. What she does, I my skin was boiling. Like, like yeah. I mean, yeah. I was actually like, I hate her so yeah. much and she's playing it so well. Like I love the actress, but I genuinely hate her. And I actually felt I couldn't stop watching it because I wanted her to see her fail. Like I wanted to see it all fall apart yeah. and I won't tell you how it ends, but like I, that's what I wanted. It was the opposite. It's like, I, I, it's a good point. I think it's just character investment. Yeah, I, need investment to, yeah. I need to be invested in the outcome, whether yeah. it be, yeah. positive or negative i need to want to see what happens next for sure and the I, character has to be intriguing like dexter proved they don't have to be necessarily good right right they have to be interesting right they and have I, to be interesting i think that's where a lot of horror movies fall apart is they get really excited about the set piece i agree or spend a lot of focus on the the killer or the monster and the the creativity around that aspect where you have this amazing i don't know ghost cockroach demon or something and it's like wow that looks really impressive none <laughs> the nun is a great example <laughs> Like, uh, I haven't seen the movie, but I just haven't filmed that. Similarly, so happen, yeah. similar, James Wan is just creating new horror icons, which we don't get a lot of anymore. <laughs> which is great. I which like is that, great. Yeah. But the movies that are expanding off of this Conjuring universe, which we'll talk about shortly, are not good. You know, they're just not good. I'm watching Animal Creation. It's okay. It's not it's bad. It's because David Sandberg is He's legit. He's a good director. Yeah, because David exactly. Sandberg is legit. I remember his, uh, his uh, short Lights Out on Vimeo. We watched it years ago. And his feature length. Yeah, film it was great. Out. And Good then he gets, and then James Wan's like, hey, by the way, do you want to do a lights out feature? And I was yeah. like, dude, that's the dream right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, good exactly. job, man. Like, it's awesome. Um, but with that, I think that's what it comes down to. I think I just need to be invested in the the characters. And if it's not the characters, it needs to have an interesting enough plot to keep me glued in. I do too. I also like I also like, and I know it's hard to do because everyone wants to do something different, but I like unique subversions of the cliche. Like I like I yeah. like I like one of the things I like about James Wan is a lot of times when he's setting up a piece, um, you think it's going to be a jump scare and then it doesn't happen. Or there is one, but it's actually the start of a sequence or it's the it's in the middle of a sequence. It's not the it's not the end result. And a lot yeah. of the jump scares aren't forced. They're not like... Because I feel like honest. movies that just have jump scares, what pisses me off about it is you're actually being kind of a shit director in a way because you're actually relying on audio to trigger the body to react to what it should right. just out of fear. It's not because the movie's scary. It's just because you got loud. It's a reflex. Yeah, response. it's a reflex. It's not actually scary. Like, if you want something to be scary, you have to create tension. You have to create eeriness, fear, just a general atmosphere of fear. And mm -hmm. you have to let them sit in it. And, like, when that happens, the person gets scared on their own because they can start imagining endless scenarios and they don't know what's going to happen. And it's not 
because you yeah. scared them with a loud bang. It's because you've set up an atmosphere and a theme and a tone throughout this film that as it continues and hopefully you care about the characters, yeah. now you're worried about those characters now walking into this atmosphere because you know it's now getting dangerous, right? Like, and, and, and yeah. that's everything, you know? It's, it's really important to do that. And if you just care about sequences, then you have really cool sequences in the middle of something else that ultimately you don't care at all about. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's that kind of winding of the cord and waiting for it to snap and waiting for it to snap. And too many people snap too many cords yeah, for no reason 100%. throughout their film. But the ones that just kind of keep winding and keep winding and you know that jump scare is coming and it's going to come right around the corner and then the scene keeps going and it's going to be right around the next exactly. corner. And then it's been 15, 20 minutes and you're like, this entire movie feels like I'm white knuckling my chair. But yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And, and I yeah. feel like I totally understand introducing a certain amount of characters into a movie, especially a horror movie, because you need you want some death scenes or whatever that's fine but yeah. that doesn't mean you don't take the time to develop each of those characters so when they die we give a damn like yeah. you know what i mean like like or have them connect to the story in some way where we actually care about these people you know like the opening murder in a lot of things is the hardest right because yeah you don't have a lot of time that's why i think scream set that up beautifully because essentially it starts off with this seemingly com seeming phone call conversation that's almost like a weird situation but guy's kind of hitting on her and it's kind of cute and you just kind of get to know that she's just kind of cute and sweet and she's just at home for the night watching a movie so you at least get to know her a little bit before this incident happens and yeah. then you watch it descend into chaos and then the beautifully horrific irony of you know him being there and then the parents getting home and she's right there there's like so much dramatic just poetry going on there that it's mm -hmm. a, it's just a fantastic opening but if you notice it just didn't get immediately to you know, someone being drunk and going to their car and getting sliced up or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It's like, it just starts with a girl making popcorn, wants to send out horror movies, waiting for a boyfriend. You know, like, it's like, it's just something we can all re relate to, you know? Totally. Like, and you get to know that person a little bit through the conversation, which ultimately ends up being nefarious, but it doesn't, you don't know that in the beginning. Like, 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 I mean, you kind of think something's going on, but for her, you just get to see the person, how much she loves horror. And, you know, as an audience, audience member there who's watching a horror movie, you love horror too. So you like yep. relate, right? Yep. And then you also know if you're a film fan, you know it's directed by Wes Craven. And then there's like a joke where she's like, the first night on the shoot, shoot was great, the rest sucked. <laughs> He's like, like, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's all these And actually, <laughs> the third one. The third one was fun. It's phenomenal. It's not, it's not scary, but it's fun. That's true. I think it's I think it's a good fun Freddy movie. Yes, yeah. I agree. Um and I love Wes Craven's one of, movie uh, quite a bit. One of my favorite horror intros uh, intros. And I'm actually thinking kind of more modern horror movies because mm -hmm. I think it's too easy to bring this up and go back to all the things that started these trends. For sure. You know, we know all the all the greats. You're right. Because it's hard to do it now, right? It's because hard to do it. One, and I actually think of this movie in a lot of ways, I think of Mad Max Fury Road, where everything is so up to 11 and it's just engaging your senses <laughs> yeah. the entire time. I love that It's movie, the remake right? of The Evil Dead. It's just I so... I like that movie. That yeah. movie is so loud and over the top it and is. aggressive 24-7. The sound design is loud too, which I like. Yep, and yeah. the the intro scene where it goes into the basement and the, the young woman is tied up against the post. 100%. And the father looks like he's going to kind of present this exorcism with these kind of like hills have eyes looking kind of yes. like underground hillbillies. And you're like, this is a murder. Yeah. And it turns into this big explosion of demonic possession and screaming. Yeah. And all of a sudden the it goes through and the the father blows the the demon's head off mm -hmm. and then it goes into the title card and the title card is screaming at the yeah, same yeah, time and you're awesome. like, what did i sign up yeah, for man like this is just going yeah, it's like setting and what i like it's full it's an opening that is 100 letting you know what you're getting into yeah like, like which exactly is great. i also honestly i feel like it's not talked about a lot but i, I also love that like 
I love the color grade of that film. It's I beautiful. Like, I feel like every film now, like especially if it's a horror or something, it's like, oh, it's horror, so it needs to be like desaturated. You know, it doesn't. No, like, no. it does not. Like, yeah. it, it can have unless color. it's a Silent Hill movie, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Like, like less than effectively. I makes liked sense. the first Silent Hill film. I, I actually enjoyed. It. I really enjoyed it. And too. I admit that I have not played the games though. So I really, I have seen enough content about them that I know some things. Like, I knew who Pyramid Head was. I know about the kind of blending between dimensions. I knew about the school. Yeah, uh, but but I don't haven't played the games. It's something I would love to do on stream at some point, and I plan to. But it holds I, up. I well, enjoyed the movie, the first movie. It, I refused to watch the second one. I saw the trailer and I was like, no. Yeah, you shouldn't. You it's should. a 3D, no. But um, <laughs> the Silent Hill games, even the gameplay feels incredibly dated, but the uh, the survival horror exploration and puzzle solving and uh, the way the story is delivered, mm -hmm. especially for Silent Hill 2 and 3, 2 being kind of the, the gold standard. A lot of people tell me Silent um, Hill 2 is one of their favorites. It's still worth playing today. Like, it's, it's yeah. awesome. It's really awesome. I was playing through... Uh, a lot of the Resident Evil games over the last year. Mm -hmm. um, and I've played one remake, which is just the fucking best, dude. It's so Resident good. Resident Evil 2? Well, the Resident Evil 1 remake. Oh, oh yeah, the Resident Evil yeah. 1 remake was great. Yeah, I played it when they re-released um, it on the PlayStation 3. But I played through one remake, four, two remake. I played through the modern one. So yeah. the remakes are one through three, four, five. I'm in the middle of playing six. Uh, I know that that's where everything kind of went left field, but I still want to see what <laughs> happens. Um, and then I've beaten seven and village. Yes. And I was thinking, I was like, maybe I should go play the original Resident Evil one and two. And I look back at it and I'm like, I don't know if I would enjoy it. I feel like the remakes in so many ways do what those games intended to do better than. I think two still holds up. You one, think two still holds up? Yes. In my opinion, one. Yeah. I won't like graphically and stuff. It's it's really clunky. And the <laughs> remake like, from a gameplay standpoint is like a one to one remake. Yeah, it is. It's it is. just like I, I would rather play the remake of one. Yeah. that did such a good job on it. I still feel like two holds up. The two remaster is fantastic. It's I my favorite. But I still feel series. like the two holds yeah. up quite a bit. I did play it like a couple years ago. The two yeah. still holds up in my opinion. One is rough. It's yeah. rough to me. Like yeah, yeah. it looks. Rough. Just being honest. <laughs> uh, so we've been back to theaters. Yes, we have. It's been about fifteen months. It is. I uh, sat in a dark room and ate some popcorn and I, uh, watched a movie. Had my second vaccine, so I still wore my mask because I'm high risk. And uh, yeah. Oh, you believe in all that stuff, huh? I, I do. I do. I do believe <laughs> that the virus is real. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. No, I'm kidding. I'm also, I'm also very multi-vaccinated and uh, I was going to say, up. I picked the wrong person to do this podcast. <laughs> all right. Everybody calm down. I've gone through a mental health crisis, too. We've all gone through a mental health crisis. And I say that as a joke, but it's a joke as a cry for help. Trust me. <laughs> We're doomed. But we went with our uh, fancy new uh, vaccinations and we went and we saw uh, A Quiet Place Part 2. Yes. In did. a movie theater. Yeah. And it was great. It was at a movie theater. It also serves food and drink too. So it was, it was awesome. It was. It, it. I didn't realize how, like I knew I how much I missed it. But I didn't realize how much until I was there. Absolutely. Like, even getting up to go use the restroom, I was randomly giddy about it. I was like, oh, I'm at the movie theater restroom. And there's I, movie posters all over the place. Like, I missed this so much. I think the part that hit for me where I started to kind of feel butterflies in my chest was the beginning of the trailers. Not even when the trailer started, but the big green parental guidance I, banner. <laughs> I agree. I was I like, agree. oh, my God. It's like, man, this is real. Yeah, it's true. It's, like, it's the best escape. It really is. I've always been... I'm super simple. I've always been a fan of like grabbing dinner in a movie or preferably seeing a movie first and then grabbing dinner because then while you're eating, like you guys can talk about the movie. Right. But in this case, it's a place that serves food while you're eating. So it's even better. Right. Um, um, we're still talking horror. We saw A Quiet Place Part Quiet 2. Quiet Place Part 2, yes. What did you think? I really Fortune? enjoyed it uh, yeah. because uh, as I had mentioned with you before, um, when it came to Quiet Place 1, I was really enjoying it. I could not believe that this was his first time directing uh, Don Krasinski. 
Yeah. Uh, it's fantastically directed. I love the choice of lenses. I love the color grade. I love the shot list. It's the sound design is magnificent. It's just really good. Uh, the only issue I had with the first film was essentially that um, I really enjoyed it. And then I felt in the last act, there were just certain contrivances that happened uh, for the sake of the script for dramatic effect, et cetera. And it, like kind, of, and it kind of took me out of the movie, unfortunately. Um, I felt like his death was kind of pointless because mm -hmm. like it was for dramatic effect, but ultimately in that moment, they're still stuck in the car, if I remember right, right or something like that. So like, it just, the, it just seemed uh, like in that moment, there were better choices that if you die there, you might save them in that instant, but you don't guarantee they stay alive after. It just, I don't know. To me, it just seemed like it was for dramatic effect. The other issue I had was uh, the sequence when she wakes up and it's red lighting and the monsters underneath the floor in the basement with her. Yeah. I thought it was a great sequence. Um, it, it almost reminded me of the scene where Ripley and Newt are stuck in the room with the with the little yeah, alien the things face coming hugger. after them with like the red light shining. Yeah. The issue I had with it though is she had bolted the ceiling. She's in a room that's essentially locked off. So how did it get in? Like it's like it's it's a really cool sequence, but how did it get in? Like yeah. if it crashed through a wall or something, that would have woke her up. So like, yeah. how did it get in? Like, I don't understand that. Like, it seems like it's cool, but it doesn't make sense. And then the other issue I had was the whole birthing scene is awesome, but then the baby's not crying for the sake of the script. I felt the same so way. They're always crying when they're born. And if they're not, there's usually something wrong, right? So yeah. it's like the baby's just conveniently not crying so that the ending works. And it's like, the movie was so good with not having those kinds of things. Like everything made sense. It was well thought off. And then like, suddenly at the last part of the movie when all the climax is happening there's some great sequences but i felt like the writing kind of fell short yeah i also always wondered like if you could take your son to the waterfall and they can't hear you why didn't you just set up your farm here or set up a cabin here it would have been safer but but that's another thing but it's more just the ending like i still liked the movie i just felt like in the last act suddenly it wasn't as good as the rest of the film writing wise but what i liked about the quiet place too is essentially i feel like it holds up the whole way through like i, like, I genuinely feel like it does and i feel like as a director, he is fantastic. And I think I said this to you in the theater yeah. that it's crazy because of the way the shots work. I think he would be a great director to the last of this movie. <laughs> like, I really yeah. do. I really think he would be fantastic for that. There are some shots in there that almost remind me of establishing shots from the game. Like, I was like, why isn't he the one? I don't think they have a director part, yet. HBO. Part Jackson. two. Uh, well, coincidentally, I was playing through The Last of Us Part Two again and saw this movie at the same time. <laughs> the state of the world yeah and the way that the the monsters or the big scaries operate have a lot in common they do you know really? it has a lot in common um the and way he reveals things is wonderful yeah but, yeah and just like you i think uh john krasinski's directing ability right out the gate is so damn impressive and i agree with you i loved the part one uh for the first two acts and i think it, it kind of got a little convenient in the third act yeah. it wasn't but, ruined you know what not as good. You're right. Not as good. Exactly. But you know what I remember most about seeing that movie was seeing it in theaters and the experience yes. of seeing it in theaters and how anybody who was even chewing popcorn was <laughs> like, oh, my God, like it's you true. feel like you're going to trigger something in the it's movie true. if you just make a noise. And it's the second true. one had this experience as well. I yes. think it was really, really cool. It was really tense. We were talking about the kind of winding the cord, waiting for it to snap. For sure really great tension throughout the whole movie there are a lot of sequences that multi-cut between a lot of different characters perspectives and they're all going through really dangerous situations simultaneously Agreed. and uh that's kind of the second half of the movie is sequences like that yeah essentially um, the second half i feel like and it's weird because i don't feel like the first movie where it's like it's setting up and there's like the payoff it's like it's kind of just tense all the way through like there's yeah. just constant sequences of 
it's ultimately just survival. And I feel like the opening to that film is magnificent. I love the opening yeah. sequence in a yeah. place too. It was so excellent. Good. Uh, showing the town. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was so good. Yeah, showing the town. It was so good. I think uh, I had, I, this isn't a gripe with the movie, but I did find it as an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. uh, the story or the, I suppose the... And by the way, guys, we won't be doing like spoilers but we will have some mild spoilies in terms mild of like spoilers. just talking about, I'm assuming we're going to talk about uh, large picture plot. Yeah. Large yeah, picture okay. plot. But it does, no, it's not really a spoiler, but just, just so you guys know. Right. Um, I think it was interesting for here. Here's how I want to say this. I think the idea to make uh, uh, Millicent Simmons character, the young, the young girl who's mm -hmm. deaf as yep. kind of the main character, the driving force of the story, was an excellent idea. I like that too. I think it was a great idea. I think she, I thought she was a great character in the first one too. So I was I, I was pleased with that. But I feel that for how excellent Emily Blunt is in the movie, I'm surprised she didn't get as much time or at least as much change in her character as I would have expected. Yeah. Expected. And I feel like all of that kind of all of the character journey went to Killian Murphy's character. I don't disagree. Like if you want the truth. Even though I enjoyed it more than the first one because of consistency, yeah, I feel like it almost feels like uh, it almost feels like to me a transitional chapter between like two bookends. Like it feels. What like do you mean? It's like I feel like the also with the way it ends and everything. I feel like it's kind of like the perfect middle movie for like a trilogy. Like, like that's just my opinion. But Absolutely. Like it feels like a transitional chapter where everything that happened in this film. There's, there's some character growth and development, but it's ultimately a series of, it's essentially a series of incidents that require immediate reactions and thinking of a way to survive. Like, yeah. like rather than, like the first one, essentially they have a life and it gets disturbed and it kind of goes up in flames, right? Yep. This one is essentially a transition to a different space or just trying to survive while they figure out what they're going to do. That's like this entire film, if you yeah. really think about it. And unfortunately things go from bad to worse to worse because now they don't have their place that's set up and they're trying to travel and, you know, and they have a baby and there's all these hurdles that essentially it's, it's a transitional piece, really, yeah. which works great as a second film. I think, I think it's a great, still complete story. Um, well, semi-complete <laughs> without spoiling anything. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of trilogies kind of go through this motion though mm -hmm. of a, of a director or any kind of storyteller who comes up and, has a great idea for a for a film mm -hmm. and the studio is like hell yeah that sounds great we should absolutely do that yeah and then they make that movie and then it's like well, that was successful you know that got a lot of a lot of people in the theater that made a lot of money yeah can you continue this and then they tend to make two and three that, that as does kind of a, a, as a, a you know that does happen a lot um i would say though that i mean that could have definitely happened um but i mean i I would say that the whole, because the truth is that could have happened because even that whole opening sequence, he could have thought of that when he wrote the first movie, but it just didn't really fit the story for the flow he had. And, right. and it makes the perfect kind of uh, this happened before the first movie intro kind of thing. Yeah. So without spoiling anything, guys, the opening is essentially something that happened before. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, but that, I'm not telling you what it is. But yeah. So like, I mean, that could work because it is like a transitional piece, but that also does give him time to find out where he wants to go maybe for the third movie. Um, but the thing, but yeah. what I felt about that was great about it is even if that's the case, I felt like he made it work well 
I also have to give him huge props because I imagine a huge part of it is being a good director. The child actors in this film, the, the girl and her brother. Holy Honestly, moly. they're fantastic. The brother especially, I feel like, because uh, the sister is kind of the lead, like you said, she is. But the brother, the scenes that he has, he kind of steals them. Like for He also wife, gets like, kind of the character. He, yeah, yeah. He actually is the one that's going through a lot of change. Yeah. You know? And that's why without spoiling anything, I do yeah. find, I'll just say by the end of the movie, I found what's interesting, which characters had development. Exactly. Like, like that's, that's, I found that that's interesting. That's what too. I found interesting. That's why I kind of don't mind what happened with Emily because she's still a character. She's still very important considering the crux of things that happened. But ultimately, it almost seems like the whole family is getting their character development throughout these films. Like, like you know what I mean? In, in one yeah. way or another. Yeah. And um, I felt, I almost feel like what happened in this film makes sense for development especially in the world that these kids are gonna have to grow up in and, yeah. and this family is gonna have to grow up in and Celine murphy's gonna have to grow up in i kind of like the development that happened because i feel like it's needed if we're gonna survive right well like right. I, I like i and i kind of like that um so it's definitely um i feel like it's very unorthodox uh, mm. but by the end i was really digging it and i also was digging how there's kind of like a parallel sequences of things that are just different happening and the way things climax or end and the way things end. Like, I find it really interesting. Like, like I, I thought that it built up very well and it didn't let up until the very end. Yeah. And I felt like it stayed very consistent. Like the things that happened for the most part made sense. Yeah. Like I would say the only huge contrivance in the movie it didn't really feel as much like one because it made sense because it was always the plan. You know, yeah. so it was like it wasn't out of left field. It wasn't something that was just for the sake of the convenience of the script. Like it felt like I could see that, you know, yeah. like, and I liked that. Um, I do have one gripe about one side character who I feel like is a great actor and he always just is in movies to, yeah, I'm not spoiling anything. We'll revisit this. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> he's uh, always just in movies to be I, sh- I share that single tear. And he's always tier. underutilized. I share that film, single tear. Like, Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, but I think what it comes down to, I think this movie to me felt like uh, a lot of characters having to find courage to overcome what they're going through. I think a yeah. lot of the characters kind of journey in this movie who did have those internal struggles. It was about them finding courage to do something. I, agree. Um, I, I agree. think the rest of the stuff was all external and super exciting and fun and the monsters are really cool. And it's really intense and you don't want to make a sound mm-hmm. and it's and i will say that i want more it does, I want me, more. me too yeah. it does follow the rules of sequels where for those of you that like you know the rule of the sequel is okay now that we've seen the monsters you typically want to see more of them yeah you, you see more of them <laughs> so yeah. just so you know like you're, you're gonna it's you're never gonna be bored it's gonna be really fun from start to finish and some of the reveals and the shots are just really great like he's beautiful he really has a way also i also thought it was interesting when he decides to go into a uh, the perspective of of the girl who's younger, yeah, but like but like when he decides to go from like the third party audience view and the deaf perspective, I, I, I thought it. his choices were fantastic. Yeah, like, it really put you in the shoes of a kind of her environment in that situation, sure. which was really it was thrilling. It like it was. was so cool. The entire movie was thrilling. I it was. I can't wait to see whatever John Krasinski does next. I'm Me sure. Too. I imagine it would be Last of Us or sorry, uh, Quiet Place, Quiet Place Part Three, three. probably. Um, and that's something we were talking about because I had said I think he'd be great for The Last of Us, and you had said there are so many similarities in certain situations. Do you feel like maybe he wouldn't want to feel like he was repeating things? I yeah, and, and I think I it would feel of, a bit redundant. Argument. I, I think it would feel a bit redundant. HBO is putting together a series, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, is I, it a series or a movie? It's a series. I literally thought it was a movie this whole time. I yeah, know, I know it's that. a series. Uh, okay. They they've cast I think four characters. No, uh, 
I don't know if they've announced writers or directors yet, but I think a lot of the things that he goes through in this uh, Quiet Play series <clears throat> are a lot of things the characters go through in the video game uh, the last, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, I visually it would be awesome, but I kind of want to see someone else's take on it. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. I was just thinking of like the visual comparison. I think it was almost like perfect. Like if you want to show that looks like the game, but still is wonderfully cinematic and yeah. well told, I feel like he would be a great choice in all honesty. But, I think so uh, but too. But I can understand wanting a different lens, maybe like to do something yeah. different with it. I think so too. Um, what else have we seen? So we, I didn't, we didn't see this in theaters, but we uh, both uh, sat on our couches at home and uh, shout outs to HBO for this yeah. uh, release schedule I'm, for all I'm these not, new I'm films. I'm not upset about this at all. I'm, I'm not upset like, about it I'm at all. Like, what is it, like every two weeks or something, I get my popcorn and I yeah. turn on my TV and my cat curls up next to you and I'm like, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, as Fortune knows, this is my, my favorite title of uh, any movie to come out this year. The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Not The Conjuring 3. The Conjuring, The Devil, the Devil made, made Me, me do, do It. it. Yeah. Um, Interesting title choice. So, I... Uh, it uh, is famously based off of the first incident of someone claiming demon possession in, sure in court, is. which is where the term the devil made me do it came from, I believe. So, yep. I yep. think it's supposed to be referenced to the fact that it's become an idiom nowadays, but this is the origin. But That's correct. But at the same time, it is. It does sound kind of silly compared to the other. <laughs> it almost sounds like, a, like what you call a parody contrary. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but okay, so we checked it out. Uh, James Wan is out of the game on this one. Uh, this director. is the director whose um, name is The Curse of La Llorona, which I also watched and I was really underwhelmed. I didn't enjoy that one. I saw the trailer and I, I, I wasn't sure, so I haven't seen it. I this was a huge step up. I enjoyed this one far more than La Llorona, <laughs> far more. Oh, I bet. Like, um, I, I felt like it was competently directed. Like, I wouldn't say I there too. was anything about the directing that was bad at all. I just felt like the script was okay, but ultimately, most of the Conjuring movies, the script is okay. Yep. What raises it to being a fantastic film is James Wan. Like he is, in His my opinion, he is one of the best directors alive. Yeah. And in horror, he is one of the best directors, like for sure. Like, like. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, even though the movie was okay, it definitely felt like it was missing. This felt like a step down from the first two. It did. Big time. Yeah. Um, not from a writing perspective or an acting perspective. I think Patrick Willis, uh, Patrick uh, oh, Wilson and Vera Farmiga just have excellent chemistry Fantastic. and play these characters yeah. really well. Um, like super well. Like they are, they are, they're two amazing actors and together they, they just, they just, yeah. whenever they're on screen, you don't look away really. Like, yeah. And from a, from the story of kind of pulling from a real event and bring like the supernatural into it, it was, it was the same, uh, the same thing you'd expect kind of going into a new Conjuring movie now that we have a, I guess it's a trilogy now. It's, it's a universe. It's like a universe. Yeah. It it's, it's what you'd expect from, if you've seen the first two, there's not going to be any surprises here. Um, but you're right. There was a little bit of flavor missing from the set pieces. Um, the tension wasn't quite as exciting as uh, even, even the first the shot two. list. I feel like. Yep. The shot list, there's nothing bad about a shot list, but there's nothing interesting either. Like, I feel like James yeah. Wan, a shot can just feel interesting and you don't know why, but then it leads into something and you're like, oh, wow. Like, you know, yeah. like, it happens over and over in his movies. I never really got that feeling in this film, like, to yeah. be honest. And, you know, I was actually, so this is my fault because I usually don't set my expectations in any direction. <laughs> um, but this one, I knew the director was different, you know when series or uh, universes go on for as long as this one has, you kind of expect a, a dip in quality. So I wasn't, I wasn't like waiting for that time for it to drop so I could sit down <laughs> and watch it. But I was yeah. like, 
you know, I do want to see it. And uh, I think that... Um, lost my train of thought for a moment. Yeah. I think that... Uh, there, I was excited for the idea of it almost going the exorcism of Emily Rose route and giving us. I, uh, I, I was expecting half of a courtroom. Jo- uh, I, drama. I I can see that too. I kind of thought there would be more to that too. To it be honest, kicked off that way, and you uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, they have a conversation with lawyers, and you see what's going on in the court, and then it's not really revisited. No, they they go a separate way. With it, it feels like it was just there to let you know that there was a court case, but there's nothing exactly. And I actually felt like, especially if you don't have James Wan directing. I almost feel like having more of a court case could have made certain things more interesting about the case. I think so too. Especially also, I feel like without spoiling anything, certain reveals I think would have been really interesting if there were paralleled with sequences that were building up in the court case. Yep. And how you juxtapose the scenes versus what you're telling people versus what happened. Yeah. Uh, I I think that could have made it more interesting in my opinion. Yeah, and we we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I watched this with uh, my fiance, and we were <laughs> joking a little bit yeah. through the movie. Uh, so we've all seen where these movies go, and in this universe, you know, there are demons and magic and evil and all of those things. But <laughs> bringing this into a more kind of structured uh, setting as far as dealing with uh, the justice system and uh, <laughs> dealing with the police as they do in the movie. Yeah. Imagining these characters, these kind of like demon hunters yeah. from the perspective of just the everyday person is kind of hilarious. Uh, Especially oh, when you bring it towards a place of court and evidence. It's like, your honor, he's got ghosts in his blood. Yeah. Like, there, is no, <laughs> there is absolutely... <laughs> we have the evidence. You want to know how we know? Come look in our basement. We'll show you. One one scene that I did enjoy, and I totally saw it coming, yeah. but I was happy that that's what happened because I thought that would be funny. One scene I did like was, without spoiling, the scene with the judge, mm-hmm. where the judge doesn't believe them. Oh, and yeah, then, yeah, And then yeah, it's yeah. just like, there's like this, and then it just cuts. It cuts. And she's like... <laughs> there are ghosts, Your Honor. I've seen them myself. Yeah. Yeah, you have to expect it to say that. There are ghosts, Your Honor. I've seen them. Exactly. <laughs> Is there anything else to your uh, <laughs> opening defense? No, Your Honor, you should see their basement. <laughs> exactly. Matter of fact, Your Honor, let's bring it down there and I have a feeling this case is going to go a very different direction, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think, uh, like other series, James Wong kicked off something really awesome and really fun and really exciting. I don't think, I don't think uh, this one specifically brings anything new to the series or anything new to the genre. And it was just less um, interesting just because it wasn't as... It wasn't as tense. It wasn't as interestingly directed. And frankly, what it does is it's like the next Conjuring, I'm sure I'll get to it. But if it's not directed by James Wan, I'm not going to be like super excited to see it when it first comes out. Yeah. Because ultimately, I love James Wan and he always delivers. And for those of you that don't know, James Wan has expanded to a few things lately because he's wanted to test his chops, I'm assuming, and direct different things. He directed Fast and the Furious 7. He directed Aquaman, which grossed $1.2 billion, and in my opinion, is way better than an Aquaman movie has any right to be. He's doing Fast 9, too. It was a beautifully shot film, Aquaman was. Mm-hmm. Um, is he directing Fast 9? I'm 90% no, sure. No, no, it's Justin Lin. They got Justin Lin Oh, back. did they bring Justin yeah, Lin back? Yeah, they got Justin Lin ah, back. Ah, thank I'm you for sure. directing me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they got him back because that was one of the big excitements because after eight, the you know the guy that brought Fast and the Furious back yep. was Justin Lin. And I think they brought him back for nine, if I remember correctly. I think you are correct. Uh, but but James Wan is also directing another film yep. right now. I forgot the name of it, but I saw it on IMDb. He has a film that's a horror film. It sounds like that's in development right now. Oh really? And I think it's being shot, but it, and it just says a, a screenplay by James Wan, so he's not even revealing anything about what it's about. 
Okay. It's on IMDb, exciting. so I'm really excited, yeah. So what uh outside of this uh James Wan horror movie, what uh what are you exciting excited for that's coming up? Uh even though I don't know how it's gonna be, I'm excited for the new screen because I'm a huge fan. Scream one and two yeah. specifically are fantastic. Three was okay because it was written by someone else, and then four was okay uh because it was written by Kevin Williamson again, but then the rewrites were done by the same person who did three. So I have some kind of issues with that. But Scream 4 has some brilliant moments and it has some okay moments. I don't think it's ever bad. Scream 1 and 2, I think, are fantastic. Um, and unfortunately, one of my goals in life, I always wanted to meet Wes Craven. And he passed away, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And so it's the first time they're actually doing a Scream film that is not directed by Wes Craven. And it is a sequel because Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox were brought back. I have no idea if they're in the main story or Flash or whatever, but they're in it. Um, so I think it is a sequel. But it is being directed, and I believe written by the same director who did Ready or Not, which I actually nice. Found, which I, actually I found loved Ready enjoyable. or Not. Yeah. yeah, I actually found it enjoyable. I so thought I, it was I, a blast. Yeah, so I'm actually wondering. Like, I didn't think it was amazing, but it was really enjoyable. And the trailer, the trailer made me want to see it. And I was like, yeah, that was fun. It was just a fun movie. And so I'm hoping it's good because I feel like he might be a decent choice because I feel like he probably could do horror, but he also can under, do some of that kind of unconventional comedy from time to time. Yeah. Um. So I'm interested to see. For the first time ever, we're going to get a Scream film that probably has a little bit of a different feel, you know, but hopefully it's handled with love. So I'm, I'm really mm -hmm. hoping so. Uh, I won't talk about the Scream MTV series because as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Non-canon. Non-canon. No, it's just no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it's, so I'm excited about it just because I'm a huge Scream fan. Like honestly, the opening scene in Scream 1 yeah. is what made me want to go to film school when I was like 14. So right. like, I, I am a fan. I admit that. Even if it's okay, I'll probably be happy as long as it's not bad, um, right. admittedly. I think the first two are actually quite great. After that, you know, three is kind of meh, four is okay. Yeah. Um, so that I'm looking forward to. Um, the new James Wan film that's undisclosed, of course, I'm looking forward to. Um, I think it's called Malignant. I think you, you might be right. I think it's called Malignant. I don't right. know much more about it, but I remember him being attached to a project called Malignant. You might be right. I'm a huge James Wan fan. And ultimately, I like a lot of stuff. So, I mean... I'm interested in quite a few things. I guess recently, just because of quarantine, though, I used to be super, super up on everything that's coming out. And I feel like during quarantine, I've just been kind of in like a weird, like kind of haze sometimes. Like, like it just happens to me. I don't know why. But The world is moving so fast and we're stuck watching it out of windows. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like I check things so much because I'm working from home and there's not as much else to do. So I, yeah. I start like not wanting to check the same stuff over and over again. So now I'm kind of behind. Totally. So I actually don't know everything that's coming out. And I, I can usually tell you what's coming out for like the next year or so. I'm the same way. Yeah. I uh, I got a couple of movies on my radar. Um, Edgar Wright is coming out with oh, a, yeah. a time travel themed horror movie. <laughs> Edgar Wright doesn't fail either. He's fantastic. He doesn't fail. He's uh, phenomenal. Anything he, he signed on to, I'm, I'm on board with it. He but is. It's called Last Night in Soho. I did Let's, see. I saw the trailer. You, you saw told the trailer. me to check it out. I did watch it. It looked awesome. Yeah. And actually the crazy thing is. You told me to watch the trailer. Yep. Ten minutes later, my brother comes in and goes, "You need to watch." You got to see this. <laughs> and exactly. Was like, he was like, "It's Edgar Wright," and I was like, "Dylan literally just yeah. told me about this." Yeah. I remember <laughs> I, I happened to be on YouTube like ten minutes after they uh, they uploaded it the the production company. And I was like, "Oh." Um, <laughs> but I mean, the shot list looks awesome. Of course, it's Edgar um, Wright. Yeah. Anya Taylor Joy looks like she's playing a villain, which is just awesome. Yeah. Um, and overall, the I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. And that's kind of exciting to me. I, it looks sure. like it's going to be some sort of girl goes back in time and 
some sort of a creature back in time starts to possess her current self. Uh, I don't know. Or something. Yeah, from the trailer, something I like couldn't that. even tell what completely was going on either. It, which is great. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Like, but I'm curious if he's going to keep his same kind of musical editing style. I love that Baby Driver. To. It's something. Same that I, I, and Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim too. Yeah. yeah. I think with Baby Driver, though, he took it to another level. Like, yeah, I, he I, did. I, I love that movie so much. The movie's excellent. It's so good. Um, um, oh, and... I, I will say, also, yeah. as far as movies that are coming out, it's not a horror movie, but whatever it is, Quentin Tarantino's 10th and, according to him, 10th and final Oh, do you have, the, do you have the inside scoop? What's going on there? I, I don't. Uh, whatever <laughs> it is, I'm excited. I hope, like you, that it's Kill Bill Volume 3, because Kill Bill I do. Uh, Volume 1 and 2 is actually, I consider it one movie, and I, it's probably yeah. my number one favorite film of all time. Yeah. So I, if it was volume three and if it was about like uh, Vivica Fox's daughter growing up and coming after her, that could be a be really awesome. cool final one. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Like it would be really interesting though. Yeah. I'm curious what he chooses to end on from the way he talks about his filmography and the way he kind of views his contribution to film from what I've heard him talk about. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood felt like a final movie to me. It, it felt a lot like kind of a career ending. This is kind of what I had to say. Yeah, it's almost like I loved Hollywood. This is why I love Hollywood. It's an ode to old Hollywood. Exactly. And it was but an he ending still had, that. he said he wants to do 10. And now it's only his ninth movie. Ninth movie. So there Actually, I think it's going to feel like some sort of an epilogue to, to his catalog a little bit. Which if you think about it, Kill the Lion 3 would make sense for that, right? Because it's the totally. final version of something that was already started. Right? Yep. So, and Fingers he, and crossed. It's the only thing he's ever done a sequel to. Well, it's not, even a, it's not even a sequel, though. Even he admitted it. It's one movie broken into two parts. That's why it's volume one and two. So if anything, it's yeah. the third part of a full movie, right? Exactly. It would be it would be awesome. I whatever he does will be great, I'm sure. Of course, yeah. yeah. But whatever that is, I'm excited. So. He, he has a carte blanche to do whatever he wants in the studios <laughs> to say, you have a script, here's the money. For sure. It's because they're, sure. they're entertaining. And they yeah, uh, sure. get people to watch them. Um, the only other thing, uh, at least in horror, that I'm really looking forward to is uh, I just saw a trailer for a Neil Blomkamp's new movie. You said this. I don't know this. I have to see the trailer. It's called Demonic. Uh, it oh looks like some sort of futuristic possession through technology. It's almost like they have this Ooh. sort of matrix environment, and it's almost maybe a ghost in the machine type situation. That's cool. It looks pretty cool. I'm but sure, um, I love Neil Blomkamp. Too. I I consider District Nine a surprise masterpiece. It is a it masterpiece. One hundred percent. I thought Elysium was fun. Uh, I thought Chappie was not so great, so I feel like he has. Yeah, I thought Elysium. You know, I thought Elysium had some good ideas overall. It was okay. Yeah. Um, but I love District Nine. Chappie, I still need to see. But like I said before this, I think I told you. Yeah. It looked like almost like a darker, more like violent, actiony version of like Short Circuit, which I loved growing up as a child. That's um, kind of what but, it was. But I still haven't seen it. Um, yeah. I actually forgot about it until you just said this. I still do want to see it, but so I need to check it out. I wish, uh, since his last two movie, he was uh, apparently signed on to do some sort of uh, follow-up in the alien genre, probably before Ridley Scott came back to uh, would, yeah. make Prometheus and Covenant. But yeah, for anyone who's interested, there's some really amazing concept art from uh, his film ideas that you can find online. It's really interesting. It's that. really cool. I'll show them to you. Because like ultimately, um, aside from characters being stupid for the sake of the script, I still did enjoy Prometheus, the first one. Yeah. I was not a huge fan of Alien Covenant, admittedly. I enjoyed um, both I, of them. I, I, I think I it has stupid did. characters, but I still think I felt it was like so cool. Alien Covenant took stupid characters to a whole new level. And then yeah. like, I also just felt like the the pre-alien version that was running around killing people it looked so cg that it took me out of the film it did look there's especially CG. one scene where she like opens the door or whatever and it's just standing there and it like pans up and then just like bites into her head or something it looked like a cartoon i just i just couldn't like 
I'm, it just, yeah, I don't know. I think the, and I also felt like the overall like idea of how it was all created, it, it's kind of cool, but it's like, I don't know. He just, he just did a good job in the past of blending like a lot of live action with some CG in ways that worked well. And I feel like nowadays he kind of, he does some great things, but I'm talking about Ridley Scott. Ridley he Scott. does some great things, but he also just kind of lets the CG department handle this. And it's like, I feel like it, it's just not as good when you when you do that in certain situations. But that's just me, though. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I think the CGI was a uh, was a little less than desired in some scenes, though. I think they is a little bit of a mishmash because you're right. There are scenes where you see the alien and you're like, that is clearly computer generated. But then you'll see the worlds he creates with the engineers yeah. and the uh, them being on Earth and seeing the massive waterfalls in Prometheus, yeah. and you're like, oh my god, this so is yeah. the greatest CGI. And even some of the scenes with the CGI alien look good, but then there's other scenes where it's like, eh, the way that's like brought together doesn't look really good. And it's like, you should never feel like you're being taken out of the movie, uh, at least. Yeah. And not everyone is, just I, I was. But like, yeah, like I said, so not a huge fan of alien coming in, but I did enjoy Prometheus, especially. I had expectations the first time I saw it. So mm-hmm. the first time I saw it, I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. And then when I went back without those expectations and watched it for what it was, I was like, I actually still thought it was a pretty good movie. Like, like I'd give it like a B. I liked it. I did like it. Going back to an earlier topic, Zack Snyder has the same issue. He loves green screen. And for some films, it works really well, like 300. And then other films where he has a more realistic tone, you'll just yeah. see things that take you out of it. And you're like, why yeah. did you do that? Like I said, 300, The Watchmen and, and uh, Dawn of the Dead, I thought were great. Yep. Uh, the, in, his, in his films, I feel like the other issue is to me, he goes with a really stylized version of 3D animation that almost looks like it was done by like Blur Studios, which right. I love. Yep. They're my favorite. But it doesn't really match the real footage most of the time. So yeah. it's because he likes the stylized version. And it's really pretty, but because it doesn't match the footage, it's pretty, but it doesn't look real. And over and over, I'm kind of taken out of the movie. Like, like it just happens to me all the time. It's like, it's really cool, but you know, it's just really CG. Like, like, and that yeah. happens a lot with him. And, it, and it's one of those things for me where it is hard for me. And then the other issue is I just, yeah, like, I just feel like he's a, he's really good at visual storytelling, but he's not always a very good writer. So I feel like there's sections where he should comb through the script and alter things. And he's not good at that. So um, at least from what I've seen, I could be wrong, but it seems like most of my issues with his stuff is more writing than anything. Um, I do feel like he over CG sometimes, but it's more like writing things that I'm not a huge fan of. And then I'm kind of irritated by those. And then I start noticing more things that I just don't like because of that. But I feel like the CG, even though I'm not a huge fan of it looking overly CG, if if I liked the story more, I probably wouldn't mind it as much. Yeah, It's more like when you're upset with something, so you just start finding all the problems, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I would exactly. say that's more of the thing. Like, I don't hate him as a director or anything. I just feel like he, he kind of is a, he's, his eye kind of dictates more of everything than anything. Like, yeah, you know, it's very pretty, but is the substance there? I guess is my no, opinion. I totally agree. I was, uh, and we can close on this. I was reading a uh, an article recently that he had written a script for Star Wars that they denied. So he's deciding to oh, make really? his own uh, space samurai film. And I'm like, fine, you don't like it. I'll make my own yeah. Star Wars with inappropriate music cues and overblown themes. And I'm gonna do that. And I'm gonna do the slide transitions and circle transitions. Do you know too. how many montages I'm gonna put in that bitch? Oh no! T- try to tell me no. It's gonna be bookended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I like a good montage, so I'm okay with that. I do too. Um, thank you, Fortune. This has been a. Uh, this has been yeah. awesome. It actually has been great. Thank you all for joining us on the first episode. I'm sure over time it will get smoother and smoother because this is our first time doing this and it's our yep. first time really doing a podcast. But yep. hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We really appreciate you. Um, 
Uh, we, we are not sure what podcast networks this will be up on. Uh, I have to do some more research. We'll make sure it's included. Uh, we probably will make a YouTube channel for it as well. Yep. So whatever you like and dislike, please let us know in the comments. Um, if there are movies you'd like to see us watch and discuss, that would also be cool. Because, I mean, we're going to have different things we're talking about. We have no problem fitting in things that maybe you guys want us to talk about as well. So yeah. just let us know. And as we build this structure, we may go by a theme during every podcast. We may go by a genre every podcast. But any feedback on what is entertaining to you all is uh, always appreciated. Or uh, anything that doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. ultimately, it's it's about you guys. and. I mean, Hell no, it's so, about me. So. <laughs> it's about me. <laughs> well, well, maybe Dylan feels differently, but yeah. yeah so, but thank you guys. Uh, love you guys and uh, have a yeah. good one. Okay. Until next time. Thank you all.